You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hello, I'm Wade Zaglis, Education Editor for Campus Review. Australians are known for their colourful language. Indeed, it's been called part of our national identity. But why do we seem to accept it more than other cultures? And what do the shifts in swear words tell us about our changing culture? To discuss these issues and more, Campus Review is talking to Australian National Dictionary Centre's Chief Editor, Dr Amanda Laugerson. Her new book, Rooted, An Australian History of Bagged Language, is out now and charts the history of swearing in Australia. Doctor, the press release says that Australians are a nation of creative, expletive users who take pride in bad language as part of their national identity. I agree with this, but why do you think that's the case? Well, I think there's a couple of, of things that we can point to. Um, I guess Australia has had a long history um, of having a reputation for using bad language. So if you think back to... Um, the earliest period of European settlement, so the period, uh, the convict period, um, the convicts um, had a reputation for using obscene and blasphemous language, and there's a lot of commentary around that in um, a lot of those early documents and descriptions of the of the colonies. And by the end of the 19th century, that um, reputation, which for a long time is quite negative, so a lot of people commenting on it in quite negative ways starts to become more positive. So there are more positive um, kind of cultural connotations um, given to swearing. So some of the iconic um, Australian characters like the bullet driver, the bushman, um, and then in the First World War, very much so the digger, the First World War digger, um, start to have this positive association with bad language. So it's uh, bad language is partly justified by the fact that they uh, by their circumstances, so the fact that they are working hard. Um, the, the bullock driver is dealing with the intransigent bullocks. The, the diggers are obviously um, experiencing um, the horrors at the front. And so bad language um, becomes something that's um, more justifiable, mm. I think. And also um, increasingly a kind of source of humour. So there's a lot of humorous anecdotes um, circulating in popular culture by the end of the 19th century. And so we start to associate it with um, ideas about national identity. Particularly, I think, though, it's very much a male mythology, so it's very masculine. Um, so a lot of these um, acceptable swearers are, are definitely men. Um, but carrying on from that, I think more recently, we also have this um, uh, sort of broader ideology um, around uh, our use of language. So we tend to embrace the fact that we use more informal language, that we are quite creative with our slang, we use um, abbreviations and shortenings. Um, and so I think the embrace of bad language um, in recent decades also falls into that more relaxed attitude that we have towards language and the greater tolerance for informal and colloquial language. Following on from that, can you explain some of the shifts in Australian swearing we've seen over time uh, with reference to the factors that may have influenced these shifts? You've already mentioned, uh, you know, the period of colonisation and, you know, the pioneering spirit, I guess. Um, are there any more shifts that you, you can see? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I've sort of talked about this more positive mythology that we have around swearing, but of course, um, one of the other 
kind of things that have shaped that's shaped Australian um, bad language across time has been around the kinds of words that we consider to be taboo, and the kind of um, ways in which we we punish and control that bad language. So, in terms of the shift in language, of course, the the sort of shift in the 19th century um, from religious swearing in the 19th century to the, the sort of sexual and excretory, the four-letter words um, that become the more taboo language of the 20th century, but also the words that are being used in order to push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the way in which we control that language and punish that language. So the use of offensive language laws across time in the 19th century, um, perhaps more targeted towards working class people. Um, in recent decades, we've seen Indigenous um, people be um, disproportionately targeted by offensive language laws. So even though uh, you know, I, I previously sort of talked about these kind of acceptable swearers, there's still um, people within our society who are considered to, to not um, be acceptable swearers, as it were, who are punished for, for using um, bad language. And another thing that's, I guess, shifted over time is the kinds of ways in which we censor bad language. So... Um, in the 19th century, even words like like bloody or, or bastard were, of course, censored in the press. Mm. Um, used a lot of creative use, euphemisms and disguises to to allude to that that kind of bad language. And then in the 20th century, of course, it's the four-letter words that become um, the taboo words. Um, and then by the end of the 20th century, that starts to shift, where of course we see um, four-letter words being used. Um, you know, as, as part of a kind of counterculture and um, being used by the younger generation to, to kind of challenge um, the, the prevailing censorship regime that was really in, in place until the 1970s. It was really only in the 80s and 90s that you see that start to shift. Yes, and we'll come back to some of those reasons um, in a little bit. Um, Next, the C word, as it's politely um, called, is widely considered to be one of the most appalling and disrespectful words one can call someone else. Why do you think this is the case, particularly when we have swear words based on male genitalia that are not considered as offensive? Is it a simple case of misogyny, sexism? Well, I mean, I think that that's certainly um, part of it. I mean, I think the C word is, is, is actually a really interesting one. I mean, whatever your, your views are um, on it um, or on its use, it's actually, it, its story, is, as it were, um, is actually quite interesting. So it begins um, in, in English, um, in Middle English, as being just a descriptor. Um, so there's not really a sense in which it's taboo. And it's really only starting to shift um, to becoming a taboo word by around the time of the 17th century. And that's when you start to see it being used as a term of abuse. So that's quite interesting. So the kind of descriptive female genitalia term um, has a much longer history. Um, Yes, I mean, why does it become so taboo? Um, I think that's an interesting question. I think it perhaps is because of its connection um, to a woman's sexuality, um, which is perhaps seen as being powerful and, and threatening to male power. And so the word itself um, starts to acquire um, significant taboo. What I think is interesting about where that word is heading now, and I mean, it depends who you talk to as to what extent they, they believe this, but there's definitely a process of amelioration of that term um, going on. I mean, there's, of mm-hmm. course, been the feminist reclaiming of, of the descriptor, but um, its use as a term of abuse, has, um, yeah, as a term of abuse has become much more common 
um, especially with the younger generation. And, and, you know, anecdotally, I've certainly spoken to a lot of um, younger people who would, who would say that it's used quite commonly within their peer group and sometimes, and you know, whereas once it would have been very much male to male, we're now seeing it being used in, in mixed company. Um, I think also we're seeing it on um, television to a greater extent. So in my, my book, I talk a little bit about reality TV and even though it's bleeped out, um, it's very clear that that's the word that's being used and there's a lot of discussion online and in social media around that word and the use of that word. And another thing that we're also seeing in terms of the trends around that word is um, various elaborations, so the word being modified in particular ways to mean particular things. Um, so um, the use of dog, C word, um, mad, C word, uh -huh. um, and, and so on. So there's these interesting elaborations that are going on, and I think that's also a sign of this um, amelioration, ameliorative process that's um, occurring around that word. I can uh, speculate um, about why I swear, but why do you think... Well, what are some of the reasons why people swear? And is it always a bad thing to do? Well, I think most people who work with language, um, you know, we, we tend to um, be pretty um, all-embracing of a lot of different types of language. And I think linguists have, um, you know, uh, come to the conclusion that there are many different reasons why we swear. Um, it serves a lot of different functions in our language. Um, from, you know, being an emotional response, you know, if you hurt yourself or, you know, you're angry about something, you might swear as, a, as, a, as an exclamation, as an emotional response to something. You can use a swear word as an emphasis, so an emphasizer um, in your language. Mm -hmm. It can be used um, as an abusive, in an abusive context. Um, but we also have some quite positive connotations, you know, it can be a way to build bonds between a group or to fit in. Um, we can use it um, for humour or for creativity. We can, uh, you know, another theme in my book, um, which I haven't really touched on, is that I talk quite a bit about the way in which um, bad language could be used by um, groups who were not, um, you know, accepted for their swearing, so women um, and, and so forth, to use um, bad language as a way of challenging authority and defying um, the kinds of stereotypes that were being placed on them. And so I talk quite a bit about um, feminists, uh, second wave feminists and the way in which they use bad language as a way, uh, as, as a form of empowerment, essentially. Hmm. So I think there are all these interesting ways in which swearing, um, you know, functions within our language and it's a very important part of our language. Is it always a bad thing to do? Well, I think certainly in a, in a kind of bullying or threatening or abusive context, um, we would have to say yes. But there are many other ways in which we use bad language, which um, are perhaps not always um, as, as negative. Yeah, the one example I can think of at the moment is um, the endearing um, term uh, uh, mad sea, you mad sea, is a form of kind of... Um, in you know, in being part of a a, a male group, um, I, I've seen a lot of that anecdotally. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I mean going back to yeah, I mean that that was probably the other thing to say about the the c word is that in that process of amelioration, it it is being used 
not so much as a term of, of abuse in a, in, a, in a really negative way, but as a kind of um, yeah, slightly derogatory term that you might use um, in the way bastard once was used as, a, as almost a kind of term of, of humorous um, affection, I guess. Indeed. Well, Dr. Amanda Largerson from the Australian National Dictionary Centre, thank you so much for speaking to Campus Review. Great. Thank you very much.